Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. Hey there, Tech Stuff listeners. This is Jonathan Strickland, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something cool going on at How Stuff Works right now. I know all of you guys are really creative, and you love technology. Well, now you can show us what you're made of, because Toyota is sponsoring a new photo upload widget over at HowStuffWorks.com. You can share your gadget ideas, modifications, hacks, some great tech ideas. Show us what you're made of. Let us know how creative you are. You can go to www.howstuffworks.com slash upgrade your tech and upload those photos now. We want to see what you got. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me at, actually, it's sort of catty corner. As usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. The pre-show puns, they burn. <laughs> Guys, you, you should be thankful that you missed out on that one. What a gem that was. Wow. Yeah. You're still seething from it. I'm reeling is what I am. Wow. You know, I love puns, but Chris takes his love of puns to a level that I thought was unattainable by humans, and yet somehow he has managed it. From you all, take that as a compliment. That's neither here nor there for this particular podcast, other than the fact that you guys know we love puns. Waka waka. And uh, we're going to talk today about sound files and why there are so many different... Why are there so many sound file... Never mind. Sound file formats. Uh, and also um, just kind of get into... Uh, the particulars of, of various popular sound files. Maybe we'll talk about some of the more rare ones that you can encounter too. Uh, and and if this any of this sounds familiar, then you're probably a longtime listener of Tech Stuff. We did an episode many, many, many moons ago on uh, the MP3 format. I was just a kid then. Yeah, boy, when we had stars in our eyes and yeah. and and. Uh, and lunch in our belly. Uh, yeah, that's, that's back when we used to record in the afternoon. That's true. Uh, anyway, so uh, we do this in the mornings now. We want to talk about different types of sound files. And before we get into specifics, uh, talk a little bit about categorizing sound files. There's really a couple different ways you can look at it. Uh, one is uh, digitized sound files versus synthesized sound files. Mm-hmm. Now, digitized is where you're taking uh, – you're, you're, creating sound files out of bits, out of zeros and ones mm-hmm. that are little tiny pieces of information that uh, essentially tell a speaker how to move in and out to create whatever the sound is. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different factors that go into determining uh, how well the speaker can recreate any particular sound. Mm-hmm. It basically involves how much information you're able to put within that particular kind of file. Uh and uh, for one of the more uh, most popular sound files of this type is the wave type of sound file. Okay, yeah. Right, so that's a digital sound file uh, or digitized version of a sound file. Um, and so there are a lot of different things that make up the quality of that sound. Synthesized is a little bit different. Synthesized is a type of sound file where the file contains information in it that says something along the lines of, play this note as if it were played by this instrument. So play a C as if it were on a tenor saxophone, Mm -hmm. right? And then the software itself and the hardware is able to take that 
instruction set and uh, send out the appropriate information. So it's a little bit different. It's not looking at zeros and ones and saying, all right, uh, move the speaker out this much this quickly in order to um, create this sound. It's more like, all right, here, here's what, here's the sound we have to make. Now let's do what needs to be done to make it. So it's, it's kind of two different perspectives and a uh, very, very popular version of the synthesized type of sound file would be the MIDI yes. files. And MIDI files are uh, uh, not just for PCs. Those were really, I mean, the MIDI files were really made so that synthesizers could communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry. Uh, no, 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 I was just going to say, so if you're thinking of a digitized uh, sound file, you might play an actual guitar and record it into a digital file yeah. and play it back mm-hmm. versus uh, plugging um, a USB keyboard into your computer uh, you know, and using software and saying, oh, I want this to sound like a grand piano and hitting mm-hmm. a C and it you know, makes the approximation of that sound rather than taking an actual instrument and digitizing it. Right. And in general, a digitized file is going to be larger than the synthesized files. Uh, synthesized files, like I said, are just giving general instructions to recreate a sound. Digitized has to hold all that information in it. Now, um, you could have a pretty small digitized version of a sound file, but that means that you don't have as much information there, which means the sound you're going to get is not necessarily going to be that um, nice. The fidelity will not be high. Mm-hmm. It'd be lo-fi. Actually, um, although it is not the same, it it reminds me of the differences between uh, uh, vector and raster graphics, right? Uh, yeah, files. You know, with the with a photo being made up of individual pixels and uh, um, you know a vector file, line drawings being uh, more manipulative. You know, you can do more with it, and it has less information in it because it can be manipulated like that. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of just the just the very basic analog versus digital. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. with analog you've got this continuous signal that can change in pitch and in volume. Uh but it's it's you know if you look at a an analog like a sound wave from an analog source, it's this curvy wave that you know that that's unbroken, right? Yeah. Whereas a digital one is either on or off, and you know it, it, it's a little more complicated than that. But it it looks like if you look at it looks a, different from an analog sound wave. So, yeah. um, the those two different approaches define the characteristics of that sound file. Now, the other big way of dividing up the sound files, and the one that I think is uh, is is one of those that most people have heard about, mm-hmm. um, and it's mainly. Uh, applies to the digitized form. I mean, synthesized as well, but digitized is really where a lot of the sound file discussion revolves around. Right. Uh, Uncompressed, lossless, and lossy Mm -hmm. file formats. So let's talk a bit about what those mean. So uncompressed is probably the easiest. Sure. Because it just means it's a sound file that doesn't you haven't compressed it at all. You haven't lost any information. Whatever information was in that sound file uh, at the very beginning or, or the sound being recorded into some sort of device is, uh, is replicated as close as possible depending upon the, um, the abilities of that file format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you take a musical instrument, um, you know, like a, like a, an actual musical instrument and, uh, 
let's say, a guitar string, you pluck the string, and it's going to play reverberate at a, a certain frequency. Um, but there, there is more to it than that. I mean, as it uh, slows, it starts to to change somewhat. Um, some guitars hold pitch better than others, and you can kind of hear it fluctuate somewhat. Um, but as you play a song, or uh, you know, with a band or an orchestra, for example, um, you're going to hear uh, a richness of sound if you're right there. Um, and that's because there are it, it covers a, a wide range of frequencies. Um, mm-hmm. In some cases, frequencies that we can't actually hear. But sometimes but, those high frequencies we can't hear interact with what one another and create harmonics that we can hear. Yep, and sometimes uh, it's it's something that you can feel, um, and that that adds to the depth. Of the music, like well, I mean, we've we've sort of talked about bone conduction before too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what the compression does essentially is determine whether or not you know it should include all of the different frequencies and the amount of compression that someone would use to create a file. Basically, uh, says, well, I'm I'm going to cut out this much of the info in this file. Um, and you can dial that up or down as as you decide to compress that file. Right. So a lossless file would be compressed, but would not. Y- you don't lose any of the actual information there. So um, it's it the compression level. Uh, your mileage may vary. Exactly. Right? You might, yeah. It might not be a significantly smaller file than an uncompressed file, but it does mean that you have found ways to try and. Uh, uh, minimize that file size. For one, here's an example. In an uncompressed file, let's say that you have a minute of silence between sounds. Okay. All right. An uncompressed file is going to uh, encode that minute of silence the same way it would as if there were sound present. Mm-hmm. So that file size is going to reflect the the total amount of time of the recording, not just the time when something is actually happening. Mm-hmm. A that's, lossless one may encode that same file, but use a uh, an algorithm that that doesn't encode that minute of silence, so that that makes the overall file size smaller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's you think about that. That could result in a in a huge savings of information because you know if you're you're trying to capture the depth of sound. That is present with an entire orchestra, and there's literally nothing there. Then you've recorded a lot of nothing. Yeah, and uh, that that takes up space. So then, then you have the lossy mm-hmm. formats, and this is what um, you were kind of alluding to with the uh, the whole the the frequencies that are outside the range of human hearing. Yeah, um, I wanted to explain what it was there that you would lose. Yeah, ideally. With a lossy format, the only things you lose are things that we could not perceive. Yeah. So in other words, any frequency that's below or above the range of human hearing, which is about 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, anything outside of that range of frequencies uh, is outside the range of normal human hearing. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> and uh, and so the, the idea is that if there are any frequencies that are either above or below that range, those would get cut out. They would not be encoded in the file, mm-hmm. and that would decrease the size. Uh, there are other ways that lossy formats tend to compress files, and there are uh, things that you can choose to do when you're creating a lossy file format that will affect the quality of the recording 
to some extent. Yeah. And there are a lot of different factors, and I'll talk about them in just a second. But Lossy definitely has more of a stigma against it because the idea is that, you know, there are times where you'll listen to music and you think, wow, that, that really does sound like it's a lot different from that, that, uh, that live performance I saw. Like you, you might go to a live performance and then get a digital copy of that live performance. Uh, some bands do that, you know, where they'll record their their shows and then the fans can end up buying a digital copy of something that they saw mm-hmm. and depending on the encoding it may not really reflect what you experienced uh, for instance there might not be a, a 400 pound guy standing next to you stepping on your toe every five minutes um right uh, so they might be giant show i went to anyway <laughs> so uh, the idea there being that uh that Depending on how they're encoding it, you might not have a, as rich a listening experience as you otherwise would with an uncompressed or lossless format. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the way that the audio is compressed and stored is called a codec. Mm-hmm. Now, codec and file type are two different things. Yes. You should not confuse the two. It's easy to, to get confused, but codec is... Uh, and they're is, related, but they're not they the same. They are related, but not the same, right. There's some some... Uh, codecs and file sizes that tend to go together all the time, but they are not one and the same. Uh, and some of the things that can affect how that sound file will sound I- include things like the sample rate. Uh, sample rate is when you're converting uh, analog audio into digital information. Uh, you use an analog to digital converter or ADC. And this is what takes that signal, that continuous signal, and converts it into a bunch of zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, it kind of uh, chops the signal up into segments and does this conversion. So the higher the frequency is of your sample rate, in general, the closer to the original sound it's going to be. Right. Uh, CD audio, if you guys, you may not remember these. There were these things called compact discs. Right. I have to – I remember when compact discs were a new thing. I do too. I remember thinking, this will never take off and let me listen to my cassette um, or vinyl album or wax cylinder or this bard that I hired to follow around and sing <laughs> sagas to the me. wire recorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the CD audio is something like – 44.1 kilohertz, as I recall, something yeah. like that. that. That's the frequency for uh, their sample rate. Um, and in general, you want a sample rate that's about uh, – uh, well, that, that's high enough so that you're going to get a good experience when you get playback. And depending on your application, you may not need a very high sample rate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for telephone uh, – Fidelity when you're speaking on the phone to someone else, that sample rate is much. You know, we're talking about digital phones. They're doing the same thing. They're converting an analog signal into a digital information and transmitting it, and then decoding it and putting it back into analog. Uh, their sample rate is much lower because, in general, we've become used to the idea that a telephone quality conversation does not need to have high fidelity. And if you've ever spoken on the telephone with me, you know the quality of my conversations is quite low. <laughs> well, um, that doesn't really have that much to do with the sound quality. Oh, you're um, right. You're right. I got off on a little tangent there. Well, no. If you if you take a, uh, I'm speaking in general terms here, but if you take a, uh, a 
a podcast file, maybe a half-hour podcast file um, from an audio store and you buy a five-minute uh, song from that same audio store, the, the song is probably going to be a larger file yeah. because there is a greater range of sound – um, that they are trying to preserve to create that audio file then to to uh, or that music file then for the voice because um you know the voice files don't really need to convey the same range of, of frequencies right to just and still sound good and beyond the sample rate there are other factors that also inform the quality of a particular sound file mm-hmm. a digitized sound file uh, the resolution it's just you know sound files can have resolution just like an sure. image file it's um it, it essentially it comes into the how how the ADC measures the incoming uh, signal voltage mm-hmm. and converts that into digital code. So the accuracy of that is dependent upon how many bits are used in the process. So in other words, the more data you include about the sound, the more uh, accurately you can recreate the sound when you play it back. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if uh, and, and this makes sense, it's it's just like any other kind of experience where you're trying to recreate something that you've seen. The more data you have, the better chances you have of of recreating it accurately. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm in a a room and you were to give me a, uh, a a stone tablet and a chisel and a hammer and tell me to take notes, those notes would be very, very limited. If you gave me a pen and paper, those would be a little bit better. If you gave me a uh, a, a, a computer uh, with a working keyboard, unlike mine, um, I'd be even better. If you gave me a keyboard like mine, it would probably be back to stone tablet. Anyway, uh, that's the, another part that determines – uh, another factor that determines sound quality, and then data rates. Mm-hmm. This is really anyone who's converted any sound file into MP3 format or a format similar to the MP3 format knows about data rates. You usually you have a choice of what what uh, uh, data rate speed you can pick to uh, convert a sound file into an MP3. And generally, higher is better. It means that you're going to have a, a, a higher fidelity experience. It also means the file size is going to be larger. And uh, uh, I'd say, you know, a lot of the sound files you would find, at least until fairly recently, were around the 96 kilobit per second or 128 kilobit per second range. We're starting to see that get bumped up now, which is nice. Um, those are a lot of the cloud services have higher bit uh, data rates for their encoding, mm-hmm. um, and in general, that should translate to a higher fidelity experience. Yeah, I mean, you get right down to it. Uh, well, frankly, everybody hears sound differently, and that's that sounds strange, probably. Um, probably because you're hearing it differently than I am. No, um, because, uh, you know, it sort of depends on the range of hearing. Now, they say that, that kids can hear a different range of sound than adults. Um, and that, uh, you know, there have studies that have been done that, that show that women hear different ranges of sound than men do. And, you know, there, there are always people who, um, Listen to a vinyl record, for example, and they'll they'll say, "Wow, that sounds so much better than a CD." And then other people prefer the sound of CDs, which typically are are compressed uh, pretty pretty significantly, at least to to get it to uh, you know the, the audio file that that you hear on the on the disc. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it, everybody's different. Let's let's use that as a caveat. But 
Um, it's important to note that in general, the file size, the, uh, the information, you want more information encoded on there because it's going to provide a richer sound. But it does depend on the codec used to, to create the file. Um, and that is, that is one of those things that, to paraphrase a song, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. Um, and, and I think that's probably where we're getting ready to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, when MP3s became the popular standard, mm-hmm. uh, the popular, uh, bit rate for those was, you know, 128K. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that a lot of people, who can hear the difference in in sound files would say, you know, that's crummy. It sounds terrible. But it was acceptable for a lot of people, acceptable enough that they would say, you know what, I'm willing to fork over money for an MP3 player or I'm willing to listen to my music at this bit rate. And now that we've become more sophisticated in our tastes and have more bandwidth available to us, both uh, in MP3 player or audio players, let's say that, yeah. and uh, uh, in our Internet connections – um, we're having more choices available to us. We also had an era where the speakers that were available to us, unless we were really spending a lot of money on our our computer systems or what you know our music player systems, yeah, uh, were not really capable of playing at a high enough fidelity for it to make a huge difference. So you could even have two versions of the same file, one. Uh, recorded at a much faster data rate and have a hard time telling the difference simply because the hardware you were using to play back the music wasn't capable of capturing those subtle differences or even not so subtle differences True. because let's let's face it some of the speakers that came out years ago were pretty well they were definitely substandard compared to some of the ones you can get today uh not saying that today's speakers are you know, the, the height of human achievement. We definitely have a huge range on the market. And, uh, and it's not always a case of you get what you pay for either. That's a totally different podcast though. Uh, it just means that, that it wasn't as important back then. And also we should talk about why there are so many different types. So we know the, the ones people tend to hear about a lot are wave files. Uh, MP3s, um, AAC files mm-hmm. for some folks. Uh, there's the ALAC files, A L A C, or sometimes FLAC for a few people out there anyway. Um, and then there are a lot of other ones, but those are those are some of the ones that are the most popular. But there are, if you were to look at a list of every type of audio file that has had any sort of traction out there. It would be incredibly long. I mean, the the different types of them are um, I, there's easily easily over a hundred. Now, some of those are project files, not audio file formats. And the project files really just have information about an audio file, as opposed to having any actual audio information in it itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, you might say, well, why are there so many? And there are several different reasons for that. Uh, one is that as time has gone on, we've created more sophisticated computers and sound chips that are able to do more than earlier ones. So they were suddenly able to support a greater number of features, but the older file formats didn't necessarily have that built in. And so new file formats emerged that were able to uh, take advantage of the technical uh, 
abilities of the new stuff that we were building. Right. Uh, in some cases, there were file formats that were designed to work specifically with particular types of hardware. So if you were back – if you had a computer back in the old days of the uh, of the sound card boom, you know, when they had like Roland and Sound Blaster and all of those coming out, mm-hmm. you might be familiar that there were certain – File, file types that could play on some cards but not on others. And this could get really frustrating as a user. I remember going out and looking at computer games and looking at a computer game and saying, wow, I'm not going to have a very good experience with this because uh, the sound file type that they went with was for a different sound card than the one I had. So I'm going to have the more basic you know, array of sounds that – uh, is sort of the, the, the baseline for this game. I'm not going to have any of the advanced stuff because they decided to back this other sound card. So there was a division in the market, right? I mean, there wasn't a lot of standards. Uh, there was no standardized format, so you had a lot of proprietary formats. Mm-hmm. And we still have those as well. There's still some proprietary formats, some of which are actually used fairly widely. Uh, I think most people try to get away from those because – it's um, it, it limits you. It limits what you can play that file back on. Right. Um, it also means that a lot of these proprietary file formats were designed so that you could have digital rights management built into the file format. Right. So DRM. That's a you know that's something else that that determined the different types of files. Another is the change in how we listen to these files. All yes. right. So. Uh, listening to it on a computer or on a on a sound device, you can have a certain type of file format. Back in the earlier days of the internet, when you wanted to listen to music that was going to be coming over uh, an internet connection, you couldn't use those file formats. They just they the files were too big. Yeah. So that meant that you had to design a different standard to be able to stream music, usually at a lower fidelity. And, uh, so that the file size was manageable and that you could have a specific type of software to play back those files. So things like real audio. Like you remember the old real audio days, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. That's a dark times <laughs> before the empire. So yeah, there were, there's a lot of different reasons. So some of the reasons are technological. Some are based upon the limitations of that technology. Some are kind of, you know, let's face it. Some of them are a little greedy. These are you know, some some file types were designed by companies saying, if we design the hardware and we design the file type, we lock people into this because they won't be able to go and buy some other piece of hardware because their hardware is not going to be able to play our file. Yeah, and then there were some that were sort of political, as in, uh, I'm thinking specifically of Og Vorbis. Um, yeah. which was was created as an open standard. Uh, Are you down with OGG? <laughs> you know me. Yeah. Um, mostly because of the MP3 file format taking off, but um, the codec used to create it the, primarily, the, the Fraunhofer uh, Institute that came up with the, the MP3 file standard, um, the codec, you had to license that. Um, so if you wanted to create software that would make MP3 files, you were supposed to license the official codec to do that. And then the people who started uh, OG were saying, you know what? If you want to use our standard to create our audio files, then you can do with it what you like. Yep, open source, unlicensed. 
Yep. So the that was an attractive alternative for for people who didn't want to have to you know go through the red tape of an official licensed piece of software. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that ended up being much of a problem in the long run, but um, well, you still and then there's still a license fee that has to be paid. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it it, it was so. Uh, uh, had so much weight behind it that that people just went with it. Yeah, so that was um, you know that's a good example. But then let's let's go ahead. We'll touch on MP3, even though we have done a full episode about MP3s before. It would just take a lot of digging for you guys to get that episode. Well, it's hard not to mention it anyway. I mean, it is sort of the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Yeah, and so MPEG stands for Moving Picture Experts Group, which is exactly what you would expect out of a sound file. Uh, it's uh, which was working <laughs> under the direction of the International Organization for Standardization and the International Electrotechnical Commission. Nice. Yeah, and uh, the and idea it, was that they wanted to create a standard to avoid this proprietary problem. Oops. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's the funny thing is it's not la- it's it's not MPEG three, it's MPEG one layer three. Yeah. Yeah, just complicating things. Yeah, and even then more. there and there are a lot of different um, file extensions that fall under the MPEG audio format. Yes, uh-huh. uh, it's not you know MP3 is is one of the more common ones, but it's not the only one. Um, it's a lossy format, so you do end up losing data when you convert to MP3 uh, as part of the compression. And the codec you use to create your MP3 sort of helps determine what it is that it loses. Yep, because and, it has a different algorithm behind it. Right, and uh, and again, you change depending on the data rate. You can make the file larger, smaller, and thus have uh, more or less information about the sound file. Um, another thing we should oh, this is something else I should have pointed out with the different types of sound files. Some of them support metadata, yes, and some do not. And metadata turned out to be really important. Uh, metadata, of course, is information about other information. So metadata for a sound file might include things like the artist's name, the album name, other information. It could also include things like who uploaded it, who who encoded yeah. it. It yeah. all depends on the codec. It all depends on the file type. Uh, so some of these file types are essentially digital fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to download one of these files and then you were to actually open up the code and look at it, you could potentially, depending on the file type, determine who it was that originally um, encoded it and uploaded it, or at least who encoded it. That's you correct. might not know who who uploaded it. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, and not all the files, of course, support metadata, but a lot of the really popular ones do because it's a useful way to get information in uh, in, in a music um, management software, right? So yeah. that way – because you think about music management software like iTunes. That's one of the most popular ones, so it's easy to talk about. Uh, iTunes has all the information about the artist, the album, the song title, uh, all that kind of stuff. And that lets you sort uh, your albums through various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, without the metadata, you wouldn't have that information. You would have the name of the file – and you know, what kind, what type of file it was, and that that would be about it. So uh, that's something else that I wanted to point out. So uh, so along with MP3, you know, you've got the WAV files, which are uh, again pretty pretty popular. Uh, that's a format that was created by Microsoft and IBM, and um, it kind of takes an it creates an arbitrary sampling rate. Uh, 
and uh, number of channels and the sample size. Um, it's uh, one of the first audio file types that were developed for the PC. Um, and it's defined as being lossless. So this is a, the wave files are lossless files. They tend to be much larger than MP3 files. Uh, not necessarily as large as an uncompressed version of that file, but still pretty big. And, um, yeah, so those are the, those are two of the main ones, but then. And you can have either digitized or synthesized wave files. Mm. And then there's, uh, the, the AAC files, uh, which is again another lossy compression format. Um, that's, uh, depending on who you ask, I've heard people say that they, they prefer AAC over MP3s and that they think AAC compression leads to less uh, loss of fidelity. Yeah, yeah, they were um, Apple adopted it for for the uh, iTunes store a long time ago yeah. as the music format and you know they they the company really pushed it as being a superior format to the MP3. Um you know again it depends on whom you ask. Um but uh you know they then they started with a 128k uh digitization rate Hey, I said it. Um, and you know, it, they, they semi recently, it's not recent, recent, but it's, um, over the, the past while here, they, they've upgraded that, um, too. So, you know, that, that has been a, a, a thing. But, um, yeah, some people feel that, that AAC is a better, um, you know, an AAC at 128K sounds better than an MP3 at 128K encoding. Um, another, uh, Apple, File format that was an earlier one developed by Apple as the Audio Interchange File Format or AIFF. Yeah, basically, uh, a long time ago, I would say in the mid '90s, if you ran across a WAV file, you'd say, "Oh, that's a Microsoft file," and if you ran across an AIFF, you'd say, "Oh, well, that's a Macintosh file." It's not so clear cut these days, but right. they, you know, it was sort of the this is what we use on our. Uh, operating system, and that's what they use on their operating system kind of thing. Right. And then there was the Apple Lossless Audio Codec, or ALAC, ALAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one that in 2011, Apple kind of uh, surprised folks by by converting it into open source and royalty-free, mm-hmm. uh, which for people who were big uh, followers of Apple was something of a shock. Uh, they and, and ALAC file, uh, or... Apple lossless audio codec file is uh, stored in an MP4 container with a file extension of M4A. So uh, if you see an M4A file, then that's that's a potential uh, pointer that that's what you're looking at, an ALAC file. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many more. Uh, there's, Like I said, there was FLAC, which is the free lossless audio codec. Uh, very similar to uh, ALAC, except that it's um, uh, it was started off as open source and free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, people who are are real uh, audiophiles and and still download music because a lot of them won't because of the uh, the lossy nature of a lot of the audiophiles online. Um, a lot of people prefer the FLAC files, and I've seen artists who sell their music files from their websites offer. Uh, MP3 or AAC and, and FLAC uh, as an option. So, you know, if you want to pay a couple extra dollars, you can get the fancy hi-fi yeah. audio files. Well, there's the Sun Audio 
format, which is mm-hmm. .au, uh, that was specifically created for Unix systems. That's another th- reason why there's so many different file types out there is because there's some that were designed with specific operating systems in mind. Uh, there's Windows Media Audio, mm-hmm. WMA, um, again, developed as a competing I guess standard is the wrong word, but a competing file format to MP3, and uh, it you know, designed to play in within a Windows Media Player, and um, uh, supposedly had a much more efficient compression algorithm than MP3. Also designed with DRM protection in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the other reasons why. Uh, Microsoft was really interested in developing its own file format, sound file format beyond Wave, um, was to try and protect intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, DRM is just another layer of information encoded. It's it's essentially metadata, but it's metadata that explains um, who essentially who owns the file. So if if Jonathan buys a song from um, you know a, a an online music store that has DRM embedded in it. It will say, well, this this belongs to Jonathan. Um, he paid for it, and he is allowed to listen to it on his registered machines, but only on his registered machines. Or, um, you know, it might say he's allowed to listen to this file for free for three weeks and three weeks only. And so when the audio player tries to go back and or, it says, oh, wait, it's past three weeks, yeah, you know, it might disappear. Or, 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 or 20 plays. Or 20 plays. Yeah. Or or he's allowed to loan it to somebody. That That's um, that's how they, they determine those uh, those free preview things. We'll say, oh, yes, you can download this and listen one time for free. And you yeah. can listen to the entire song and then the, the DRM information encoded in the track uh, when the the player tries to read the file again, it will it will check the information. It says, "Oh, well, it has been played one time, and therefore I will not allow you to play it again." Sucker, go away. Yep. So, I mean, all of these all of these different files are all meant to do essentially the same thing. It's again just depending dependent upon the equipment you're using yeah. and the software you're using. And whether or not it's uh, an open approach or if it's a proprietary approach, uh, you know, there's nothing necessarily that says one sound file is better than another because uh, it, it, it all depends on what you value. Yeah. Uh, do you value a manageable file size? Uh, if storage is a is an issue, then that might be very important to you. Do you value as close to the original performance as possible, like that experience? If so, then the quality, the actual sound quality is going to be the most important. Um, do you use a specific type of device? Because that will also help determine which file size is best or file type is best for you. Yeah. Uh, so, there, you know, you can't – I don't think you can just necessarily come out and say uh, – you know, AAC files are better than MP3s. Period. Always, etc. Uh, it all depends on your particular situation and the equipment that you have. Um, I guess one other thing we can talk about before we sign off is the fact that there there has been for a long time, for years really, uh, a, a, a discussion within the music industry about how the MP3 file format in particular, because it's so popular and so dominant, uh, has changed the way music sounds. Because there's a discussion that it kind of flattens the 
highs and the lows of of a what you can get out of a, a out of a piece of music, and so a lot of the the music is starting to sound similar to each other because you can't reach those dynamics that you could without that you know lossy compression format. That is part of it. There's also a human element involved in that, and it has to do with the way the music is produced. Yeah. Um, because I have seen uh, examples of. Uh, songs that were produced, uh, analog, and, you know, in a complete analog environment, uh, before it became so popular to have louder, uh, songs recorded on digital equipment in digital, uh, and, and reproduced on digital equipment. And in a lot of cases, the, the materials that now that, that loudness is being, has become somewhat of a priority, um, a lot of the, the music is reproduced loud and then the, the high end and low end are trimmed off, uh, to create a digital file. So it's almost in some cases like a solid block of sound in, in the highs and lows. Yeah. And there is less dynamic range. Um, and it, again, this is, this, this is a human element, element and, you know, what people are listening for. What do I want from, uh, this new CD that I'm going to buy, do I want to crank it up in my car and go driving down the boulevard and have people notice who I am and associate this music with me? Um, the answer to that is always yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Polka all the time, people. <laughs> okay. Funny, that's also the disco sound. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and this is a, this can be a problem, you know, because then you don't have the same, you don't, get that dynamic range and you say, well, is this something that's important to me or not? Again, it's, it's partially a matter of choice, but it's also partially what the, the market is asking for and people are producing and, and, uh, putting out to the market as well. Well, and there's also the argument and this becomes a circular argument. Yeah, it does. But there's also the argument that the equipment that people are using to listen to music is incapable of distinguishing some of the subtleties that we might associate with earlier types of music. Therefore, since the playback equipment cannot handle it, why would you put it in there? Mm -hmm. Why bother to to do that when you can take this other route, which is exactly what the equipment can handle, and that thus you also get to a more homogenized sound across various industries or various uh, genres, I guess I should say. Is it also pasteurized? It can be. It can be pasteurized. Vitamin um, D added. There's rarely do you have vitamin mm. D added. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of vitamin D deficiency in the music industry. It's a it's it's a scandal. It's about to, it's poised to break wide open. Yeah, yeah. There's also no fluoride. Yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, they did lick the scurvy problem. Oh yeah. So that was good. Uh, not literally. That would be gross. Yes. So anyway, oh, my earbuds are wet. <laughs> is there anything else in particular you want to talk about sound files? I mean, like I said. There are literally hundreds of different types of sound files, some of which are really obscure and haven't been used in more than a decade except on legacy systems. Yeah, the, uh, we had, we had a couple people write us in and ask us to do this. And I'm, I'm wondering if we actually, uh, th- this is not the kind of thing that we can wrap up in a, a uh, nice package and tie off because no. it is such a diverse thing and it's not, it's probably not going to, end because even once we standardize, we get closer to standardizing on maybe two or three uh, audio standards. 
um, somebody will still be working on coming up with a better way to reproduce sound and thus will introduce a new file format for us to consider. Right. And and plus, just with new equipment coming out, things like sure. video game systems, like handheld video game systems, they have their own proprietary sound file extensions, too. Like the Nintendo ones have their own proprietary sound file extensions. So, And then we still have people going back and trying to reproduce the 8-bit sound. Right. You back, know, the, back the square chip waves tunes. and chip tunes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I do not expect us to ever reach a point where we're going to have the one standard yeah. audio file. And some no, of them some so. of them will become kind of de facto standards just because of the fact that so many people are yeah. using it. But that's not the same thing as to say we've all settled on one particular file format. And and with with things like DRM in the picture, I mean that obviously is a big issue. It's a driver. Uh, yeah. There there are companies that famously got out of it. You know, Apple being one of them. Yeah. Uh, saying that, you know what, we have come to the same conclusion that our listeners have been uh, saying, which is that um, this is a negative impact on their experience and we don't want to do it anymore. Um, it was a good business decision for Apple at the time. Uh, there's other companies that are still firmly behind DRM and yep. they say that that is the good business decision for them in their in their particular situation. And maybe maybe that's true. Uh Personally, uh, if the DRM is is intrusive in any way, I just find it awful. Yeah. <laughs> if there's it if there's a requirement, yeah, like you must have an internet connection to listen to your music. Like really, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Even better is when he goes, "You must have an internet connection to listen to this music." But I have an internet connection. <laughs> Why aren't you playing? Right. You must have the band in your living room to listen to this music. But they're sitting right here. I don't care. Yeah. Marion Call, she can't play anything for me until after I run the actual file. And then then (laughs) she starts playing. That's totally not true. Uh, And if you guys don't know who Marion Call is, you should definitely look her up and listen to her music. It's awesome. So we're going to wrap this up. There are so many things we could say about sound files. We could do an episode about each type of major sound file and then do episodes where we would group 10 more obscure sound files together and we would still be recording episodes well past episode 500 for tech stuff. So we are not going to do that because uh, some market research tells us that you would all leave. So we're not going to do that. But but if you have any questions about sound files in general or any sort of tech topic you would like us to address in a future episode, please let us know. Send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. See, guys, I told you we'd talk to you again really soon. That really soon is right now. I'm just reminding you that we have our photo upload widget live on the site at www.howstuffworks.com slash upgrade your tech. Toyota's giving us the chance to let you share your creativity. So send us those pictures of your modifications, your tech ideas, those gadgets that you've created, all those hacks. If you're steampunking everything in sight, put on your goggles and show that to us. We can't wait to see them. Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry.